Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Hour number two here. Matt Schickmeyer and Metcalf in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and ESPN Plus. Love this weekend. This weekend is one of the best of the year in all the sports. You got sports colliding. The NFL, you still have that anticipation, but college football taking center stage with games Thursday through Monday. We had a great Florida State win over LSU last night that ended on the very last play of the game with a blocked PAT to save the win for Florida State after LSU had driven 99 yards uh, to for a touchdown. LSU loses. Florida State wins tonight. We've got Clemson and Georgia Tech. Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football Analyst. You can hear him with yours truly on College Game Day along with A.J. McCarron on ESPN Radio every single Saturday. BYU National Champ and NFL Vet. Trevor, what was your biggest takeaway from week one of the college football season, understanding we have one more game to go? The best are the best. The <laughs> Georgia absolutely obliterated a very good Oregon team and made them look like a, an FCS cupcake. And I don't mean a good FCS team, I mean a cupcake. Alabama did pretty much what they were supposed to do in obliterating Utah State. And Ohio State's defense stepped up and did what it hasn't done consistently enough over the last several years, and that is be assignment sound. And that's what shut down Notre Dame in the second half. The, the good are better. Trevor, everyone's going to talk about uh, the missed extra point by LSU, but we saw targeting and dropped returns and guys getting hurt on celebrations. What did all those mistakes and that lack of discipline tell you about the work ahead for Brian Kelly there? Well, you know, Myron, Kelly has a history of two things that LSU needs. One is to develop quarterbacks. So when he's got a mobile quarterback who can throw, his offenses tend to thrive. And in this case, he had a mobile quarterback in this game, but the, but the throwing part is still a work in progress. The discipline that you mentioned is another thing that Brian Kelly has a history of improving. When he first was hired at Ohio, or excuse me, at uh, Notre Dame, I walked into the locker room, and it looked different from in several years past because I walked into the offseason in the locker room before, and it was a mess. I mean, there was just stuff strewn all, all over the floor, stuff spilling out of lockers. It was just a mess. When I walked in, when Kelly was hired, it was immaculate, and I looked up at the wall and saw a poster that had a photo of what a locker is supposed to look like under Kelly. Your helmet goes here, not there. Your gloves go there, not here. Your shampoo is here. You know, your shoes are there. Everything was very disciplined. And I talked to him about that. And what he said was that it's a matter of discipline in small things, that you can't be disciplined as a football player on the field if you're not disciplined off the field. And LSU has a, a bit of a reputation of having some outstanding athletes that tend to, to play a little selfishly. And we saw that uh, on an important play late in the game where an LSU player, long after the whistle, punched uh, or at least shoved a uh, Florida State player and drew a personal foul. And that kind of thing is, is one of the works in progress for Kelly at LSU. Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football Analyst and College Game Day co-host on ESPN Radio. Matt Schick, Trevor Maddich, uh, Matt Schick, Myron Metcalf with Trevor Maddich in for Greeny here on ESPN Radio. Trevor, the, the drama of the season, we love the journey, but it feels like 
we know how this is going to end again. Do you feel that way? How do you feel about how this season is going to end, even though we are one week into this season? Anybody that rises up to challenge for the playoff out of nowhere has a lot of work to do. You know, Oregon had a chance, I thought, because they were a team with one of the best combinations of offensive line and defensive front seven in the country. But Georgia showed that they're nowhere near the caliber of the, the tip top. Utah, at the same time, is an outstanding team, but they showed that they still need to be able to make plays. I mean, Utah was one play away from victory at Florida three different times, but the Gators made the plays. So they have some tightening up to do. And if you go down the list of every team after the first three, you can see that happening. I think right now the one with the best chance is Clemson. Clemson is seen to have been uh, an awful last year, but they won 10 games. They won their final six in a row. They had epic injuries on the offensive line, which will actually help them this year because they've got a lot of young guys with more experience and better depth. And I think Clemson, as long as they can get the, the passing game squared away, is a team with a defense and with a running game that's going to be able to challenge at, for a playoff spot as well. And so, you know, you look at those top three, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, I think Clemson right now showed that, or hasn't shown yet, but is the most likely team to be able to challenge them. whole lot of people talking about Anthony Richardson that weren't saying anything about him a year ago. Where does he stand after week one in the Heisman Trophy conversation for you? Well, he made a huge splash, didn't he? I mean, he was fantastic. And really, if you dropped in from Mars and didn't know anything about uh, about the front runners coming in and the preseason Heisman favorites and all that stuff, but you did know the caliber of opposition, you would say that Anthony Richardson is the leader in the clubhouse after week one. Now, everything I'm saying, obviously, is just a reaction to week one. And everything is going to change. But Bryce Young had a big day against Utah State. But if you came in from Mars, you would still know that that's Utah State, right? And Notre Dame's defense did a good job of limiting Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. He's the front runner uh, in the books for the Heisman. But Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson was a revelation. The book on him was always that he was a great athlete but wildly inconsistent. And in this game, he was a field general. He made plays against really one of the best defenses in the country, the Utah Utes. And I don't like to look at stats, really, but there are some stats that are telling. And in this case, one stat for Anthony Richardson is QBR, a quarterback rating, which is not just passing rating, but it rates your running. It rates when you do things in critical situations. And it's a comprehensive rating of how you do. 50 is average. 100 is perfect. Richardson was like 94 against Utah's defense. I thought he made a massive statement. He had 58 rushing yards and a touchdown on scrambles. Those 58 rushing yards on scrambles, the most by any player against Utah since Marcus Mariota in 2014, the former Heisman Trophy winner. Matt Schickmeyer and Metcalf here on Greeny on ESPN Radio. You were high on the Pac-12 performing up to snuff in week one. After Utah's loss and then Oregon's beat down defeat at the hands of Georgia, how would you assess where this conference stands going into week two and the rest of the year? From a standpoint of fun in watching the conference race, I think it just got a lot more fun because two of the front runners 
showed that they were vulnerable. But from a national standpoint, in terms of playoff, they're in a lot of trouble right now because of Oregon's obliteration. I thought Utah was going to beat Florida. I thought that Oregon was going to give Georgia a good fight because I thought in the trenches they'd be able to hold their own. Neither of those things happened. So here's what happens to the Pac-12 from a national standpoint. Now, Utah, not having the signature win at Florida, needs signature wins in conference, basically. And that game against Oregon no longer will have juice from a national standpoint after people saw what happened to Oregon uh, in Atlanta. And so that hurts Utah from a standpoint of climbing into contention for that fourth spot. Really, right now, the Pac-12 has got to hope that USC comes together quickly and runs the table in dominant fashion, because other than that, they'll need a lot of help, I think. Now, again, we're talking week one. But that, that Utah-Oregon game, if you assume that Utah is the best contender coming into the season for the Pac-12 for the playoff, that Utah-Oregon game was going to be huge for juice with the committee. And now it looks a lot less likely that if they beat Oregon, it would be that kind of juice. Quick look ahead to tonight, Trevor. We've got the week one finishing up in college football with number four Clemson facing Georgia Tech. The Chick-fil-A kickoff at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, 8 o'clock Eastern tonight on ESPN. You mentioned Clemson as a potential uh, playoff team, and I've, I've put them in my preseason 14 playoff simply because you can't recruit at that high of a level and expect to continue to miss out on the playoff in back-to-back years. They're just so, so good. But a lot of that's going to be contingent on DJ Uyunglele. How would you assess what you expect from him coming up tonight in this season? I expect Uyunglele to be efficient. I expect him to know where his answers are and to get the ball out or to take off and run in decisive fashion. Part of the problem last year was that with the injuries on the offensive line, which hurt his running game, running game hurt his play-action pass, and hurt his ability to be able to perform in the pocket on schedule, he wasn't then able to elevate the offense in spite of that. This year, I need to see him not just perform well when he gets better protection. I need him to know where his answers are so he can elevate the offense when other things break down. That mental side of the game and the application of answers – I have, I'm under pressure from the right. What do I do? I'm under pressure from the middle. What do I do? Everybody's covered. What do I do? Where's my outlet? That's what I expect to see from Uwe Ungalele this, this game. That game coming up tonight. Trevor Maddox, GSPN College Football Analyst. Uh, you can catch us every Saturday on ESPN Radio. Trev, thanks for doing it, bud. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddox, College Game Day on ESPN Radio. BYU National Champ, 12-year NFL vet. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Coming up, can Brian Kelly bring LSU back to dominance? We will discuss, but first, Myron tells you about ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging. Luckily, there's one place where finding qualified candidates is easy. ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds and matches the right candidates for you. Then you can easily invite your top choices to apply. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 
Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantol chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious, beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders, dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. NextGuard is a registered trademark of Boehringer Ingelheim, Animal Health France, used under license. 2024 Boehringer Ingelheim Animal Health USA Incorporated, Duluth, Georgia, all rights reserved. Shopping for Father's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Father's Day. Whether you're shopping for your brother's first Father's Day or your Renaissance man grandpa whose interests are all over the map, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and over. You can also sort by category like cologne, watches, and more, or gift lists like items for the grill master or the golfer you can also get top tech from beats headphones to jbl portable speakers or if you're looking for top brands you'll find gifts from calvin klein polo ralph Lauren, and columbia so what are you waiting for father's day is june 16th and it'll be here before you know it macy's offers the ultimate gift guide to make selecting something special for dad incredibly easy this year head to macy's.com slash gift finder today that's macy's.com slash gift finder Greeny, the podcast. Kelly has a history of two things that LSU needs. One is to develop quarterbacks. So when he's got a mobile quarterback who can throw, his offenses tend to thrive. And in this case, he had a mobile quarterback in this game, but the, but the throwing part is still a work in progress. The discipline that you mentioned is another thing that Brian Kelly has a history of improving. That was Trevor Maddich moments ago with a somewhat Brian Kelly can bring to LSU. Certainly needs to bring a little more discipline, some self-control, and improve some of that sloppy play. Uh, that was pretty ugly last night for LSU. Matt Schick, Myron Metcalf here in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 at ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance will be interesting to see how, how Brian Kelly does there with LSU. You can have a lot of talent, which LSU will every year. It's one of those coach-proof type of programs where you're going to have the talent, but you still need to organize that talent. It needs to be run efficiently and effectively and all playing together. And, I mean, Butte, one of the great receivers in all the college football, didn't catch a ball until the fourth quarter. I mean, that just yeah. can't happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jaden Daniels, obviously, you know, there's talent there, but uh, he's got to be more balanced, uh, has to make better decisions. But you could see all of the missteps leading up to that failed extra point. I mean, they had the most targeting, targeting call of all time in that game. <laughs> the late unsportsmanlike conduct, drop kicks and punts. Uh, you just had so many mistakes over the course of the game, and you could see that lack of discipline there. So, you know, to Mike's point, that's going to be the thing – I mean, to Trevor's point, I'm sorry, that's going to be the thing that you have to clean up with Brian Kelly and LSU. Think about some of the things that happen in week one where – week zero, week one, where games aren't – I thought Greg McElroy brought up a great point on the call last night. 
games in week one are often given away. They're not necessarily won. They are given away because of those early season mistakes. In the NFL, you're playing preseason exhibition games. You're kind of working out the kinks. And these are paid professionals who don't have to abide by a 20-hour rule. They're making millions of dollars to make sure that they know what they're doing and they're practicing uh, many more hours during the day. For LSU, I mean, you had their special teams had a field goal and that extra point blocked and lost two fumbles on punt returns. For the first time since 2006. You go to Nebraska with the onside kick against Northwestern. You can go down the list of things that happened. How about Old Dominion blocking a field goal and returning it, or it was a bad snap and returning it for a touchdown against Virginia Tech? The special teams. They really mm-hmm. should be called in week one or week zero. Just call them teams. Yes. Just call, you know, can, are teams going to be special? Are yeah. they going to be imperfect? Our teams need to be special, and right now in college football, week zero, week one, they're usually far from it. Yeah, LSU had slightly above average teams uh, in those punt returns. Uh, but I think, you know, those are those are symptoms of greater problems when you're making those kinds of mistakes. I mean, that late on sportsmanlike conduct call against LSU was just a guy who didn't want to go back to his sideline and made a really bad decision. The targeting call. You had a guy get hurt on a celebration. Like, those are, are little things you think, but when you add them all together, you go, okay, how do you get this team to get everybody on the same page? Because those mistakes added up can really cost the team. The extra point is what we'll focus on. That's what every show will be about. For me, it's all of the other things that show that lack of discipline for LSU and Brian Kelly's team. And on the flip side, it's a Florida State team that needed a win like this. Yes. I felt like Florida State fans were they're watching this going like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Am I supposed to cheer? Like, I'm not used to doing that, especially early on in the season. They've been wallowing in mediocrity. They protected their quarterback. Jordan Travis was good, 260 passing yards, a couple of touchdowns. He's been great since the end of last season. And so, Mike Norvell, this game wasn't really in doubt until they fumbled the football on the pitch at the one-yard line. We're like, what are we? Pitchy-pitchy-woo-woo is supposed to be on a kickoff where the other team's straight away. Not right there. Not in that no. spot. And Florida State nearly gave that game away. Let's go to Steve in North Carolina. Go ahead, Steve. You're on with Greeny. It's Meyer Metcalf, Matt Schick here on ESPN Radio. Go ahead. Hey, Greeny. How y'all fellas doing? Doing great, man. Good. Man, pretty good. I'm so glad that you said what you just said. I watched the entire game later than I should. I'm tired right now at work. <laughs> but but actuality, even with the undisciplined things that happen in the game, let's give Florida State a little bit of credit here because they pretty much handled them the whole time and stuff. And then, then like you said, Florida State, if it wasn't for the few little bobbles they done, I don't even know if the game would have came down to a field goal because Florida State pretty much had the game in control, but they tried their best to get sending it in overtime. So, it's like I said, doing Florida State things. So, I was impressed with them for since the 90s. I haven't seen this Florida State team with that much discipline in a long time. Let me tell you yeah. something. If LSU kicks that extra point, goes on to win it in overtime, as a Florida State fan, you're like, what do we got to do here? Like, yeah. the, the hot seat cranks up for Mike Norvell, but because a redshirt freshman kicker misses the kick and you get kind of bailed out there, who knows what happens in overtime. But Florida State – controlled that game for much of the game. Some of it was self-inflicted for LSU. But this is a seemed a much more disciplined Florida State team, a team that, I mean, just made a statement. And it's like, you know, Florida over Utah. Florida might not be great, but that's a really good Utah team. LSU might not be great, but or Florida State might not be great, but that's a decent, highly talented LSU team that 
when you see those logos and you're playing in New Orleans, that win means a lot for a program that has needed it. And Florida State is one of those programs that when they are good, college football is better for it. And with all these media rights things circulating and grant of rights and conference realignment, the ACC could use a good Florida State team here. Yeah, they could also use college football expansion. I mean, that's going to help them <laughs> and all these other leagues to, to stay relevant. But to your point on Florida State, every Florida State fan on that late fumble, they were thinking Florida State's back. This is who we are. We're going to find a way to give up this game because they've seen that so many times. I think you got to give Mike Norvell credit. When a team is so accustomed to losing games just like that, where it comes down to what happens late and you're on the wrong side of that result. I think it says a lot about your progress when you can win games like that. For me, you go back to Florida and it's like, okay, yeah, they beat Utah. Utah could have punched it in and found a way to win. But to win those kind of grinded out games, that says a lot about your resilience. So I think if you're a Florida State fan, you're going, wow, no chance we win a game like that a year ago. Maybe we're taking the next step. Matt Schickmeyer and Matt Gaffin-Gurini on ESPN Radio. Speaking of taking the next step, Trevor Maddich uh, has done that. He has improved greatly uh, because we got Clemson and Georgia Tech tonight, and this is one of those names and one of those games where you got to be on your P's and Q's for this. I've been told this might have been a college game day maybe last year, uh, heading into last season. Uh, Trevor Maddich, this was his attempt at uh, DJ Uyunglele a year ago. I expected the young quarterback, DJ <laughs> DJ Uyunglele, uh, please forgive me. Okay, that was two years ago. And maybe that was going into the Notre Dame game, perhaps, a couple of yeah. years ago in 2020. Uh, this was just this last segment with Trevor Maddox. Too young to Got it. Nailed it. All right. Uh, Myron, how comfortable are you with the Clemson not quarterback? Really. Is, okay. Not really. Um, but yeah, I don't. What do you I'm got? not as comfortable. Uwe Ungalele. Uwe Ungalele. Right? Got it? Uwe Ungalele. Uwe Uwe Ungalale, is that it? Uwe Ungalale. Nolence. <laughs> All right. All right. You, you nailed Uwe Ungalale, but the guys had. After some help. I mean, I, I heard it. I've been practicing the, a little bit. The Norfolk. Had... Norfolk. <laughs> Norfolk. The guys have Norfolk, Louisville, and Nolens in the holster there to get back at you for nailing DJ Uwe Ungalale. This was. Like, you couldn't say the word Louisville. You were on with Matt Jones yesterday, and ESPN Radio tweeted out. It was a great, great three-minute segment of you just flailing like a drowning man trying to figure out how to say Louisville. Play that again. Louisville. Louisville. The way they say it down there is different. I'm telling you, there's an accent in there that's harder to get than people than people realize, man. Louisville. Especially if you're a Midwest dude. Like, that's the thing. We don't have any real accents up here. So, like... When we're trying to say those words, it, it just takes more of an effort than other parts of the country. I think that's that's part of it. Love. Could, could you could you tell me what you like most about the team that Scott Satterfield coaches and use Louisville in a sense? I'm not going to do that. I, you all heard my work. You guys heard me say the name. I don't know how to say love. I'm telling you, that, it sounds to me like love. It sounds because they're saying. There's an ooey in there. There's a there's a there's like a, a syllable in there that I can't quite get, man. I, I just can't get it. The way they do it, and I like I like that city. But what's the name of that company that makes those bats? Ends with Slugger. Louisville Sluggers. That's how oh. I would say it. Oh, Louisville. That. No, that's that no, but that's not the real way to say it. Louisville. I can say that all day, but that's not the way they say it. They say it in like one 
one long syllable, like love, 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 love. That's how they you know, say it. That's funny about that. It was named after, maybe it was King Louis. I don't know who it was named after. Okay, I'll have to yeah. Google that. But I guarantee you his name wasn't pronounced Louis. Louis. <laughs> Wait, you talking Lula. about the bat? The bat? No, just Louis, like Louisville, like the city itself. Oh, I thought you were saying the bat. I was like, the bat's named after Muhammad Ali, I thought. Yeah. That's what I'm sorry, what? Sure. The bat, Louisville Sluggers. Oh, yeah, sure, bat. sure. Yeah, 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 but Louisville, the the city itself. I can say Louisville, but Louisville, whatever they say, oh, the Louisville, okay. Louisville, Louisville is 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 harder to say it. On that note, uh, the free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot <laughs> the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and help you save time and money down the road, especially if you're stranded in, like you see. Love. Thank you. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. Auto zone. Coming up, three NFC teams with the most pressure going into the 2022 season. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Love. <laughs> When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine. Especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups and sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up and power your buys and tries the right way or de-stress with some cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Greeny, the podcast. The one-strike pitch. A swing! A long one! Left center field! It's a goner for Pujols! 6-95! Cardinals in the eighth! Unbelievable! That's Albert Pujols' 695th home run on the Cardinals radio network. Pujols doing it again. A go-ahead pinch hit two-run home run in the eighth inning. Uh, providing the margin against the Cubs. They win it 2 nothing. 695 for his career. That's one shy of Alex Rodriguez for fourth all-time. Can he become the fourth person to reach 700? He's got five more to go. I, I don't know if it feels like with Pujols, get to 700 and retire. I mean, the time is on. The crunch is on, right? You don't want to have to go into another offseason, do it next year, and then say, okay, in April, May, I'm retiring. No, you want it to be now. Yes. Five home runs, just a few weeks left, Myron. Can he, will he do it? I think he will do it. I'm hoping he does it. I'm rooting for him to do it. Uh, what a moment that will be to, to hit that historic number. I mean, some of those guys you mentioned on the list, too, uh, their numbers are surrounded by controversy, so – I think it even means even more for a guy like Pujols to do it. Uh, starts his career, Matt, in 2001. Same year I graduated from high school is how long this guy has been hitting home runs. It's amazing. 
that he's still doing this at this stage in his career, man. He's homered off of 451 pitchers in his career. That's the most all time. Barry Bonds is second with 449 different pitchers that he has hit home runs off of. Pujols has 16 home runs this season, tied for the fourth most in a season by a player age 42 or older. The list goes right now, Barry Bonds, 762, Hank Aaron, 755, Babe Ruth, 714, A-Rod, 696, and Pujols, 695. You mentioned you got A-Rod and Bonds on the list. One more to tie A-Rod, five more to get to 700, just that sweet, sweet number. And who knew we'd enter this season with Pujols capturing the hearts and minds and imaginations of those of us ages 18 to 45, and here we are. (laughs) Still going, man. The longevity is so impressive. I I hope he gets uh, the praise and adoration he deserves. The home run chase. Remember, we had McGuire and Sosa. How about the one this year with Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols? One's chasing 700, the other chasing 61 slash 62. We'll see if they can both do that this year. Matt Schick, Myron Metcalf in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Up next, three NFC teams with the most pressure coming up this season here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Greeny, the podcast. Matt Schick, Myron Metcalf, Sunday morning. Well, oh gosh, I knew I would do that. <laughs> I knew I would do it. We hosted a a show called Sunday Morning. Uh, We'll do that again in February. We're in for Greeny. I apologize. Apologize for this. Just rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Honest mistake, man. That's right. Honest mistake. Honest mistake. I didn't call you Greeny, though, like our last caller did. Matt Schick, Myron Metcalf, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. News from Greeny Nation. Just hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-ESPN, 888-729-729. 3776, talking some NFL, talking some college football as well. Uh, Friday, and this is a positive news story for college football. Why do they decide to have a Friday news dump on some really exciting news? Just ask college football. It's just what they do. But they announced it Friday heading into a long uh, Labor Day weekend that they are going to expand the college football playoff from four teams to 12. It could happen as early as 2024 could happen as late as 2026. And this is the same format that was presented more than a year ago. The same format. Six highest-ranked conference champs, six at-larges. That's how it's going to be. I think it's great for college football. But, Myron, it took the presidents of these universities. We thought it was the commissioners that were going to drive this thing and say, okay, let's get this done. We know it's best for the sport, the best overall. Let's do it. And it was the presidents who stepped in and said, we got to do this or, or get off the pot here. We are doing it. Let's go. They made it happen. The academic side made this happen on one of the great college football uh, news that will that you'll ever hear. And I'm glad they did. But we also got to slow down on the praise for these commissioners and coaches coming forward and saying, man, I've been in favor of this the whole time. Actually, you weren't. We have you all on record last year saying you didn't want an expanded playoff. And then the SEC grabbed Texas and Oklahoma and the Big Ten grabbed USC and UCLA. And you realize you had no choice. To me, it is not an exaggeration to say that this move preserves college football as we know it. Now, all five conferences, power five leagues are relevant. And if you're a group of five fan, 
you got a chance to get into the mix. The top six conference champions are going to get into the playoffs. Someone tell me why this isn't a good thing, Matt. I heard some people watching the Oregon-Georgia game saying, see, this is what's going to happen in the playoff. A team like Georgia is going to play, play a team like Oregon, and it's going to be a blowout. That's the wrong game to use as an example. More likely, we're going to see matchups like Florida versus Utah, two more evenly matched teams in the opening rounds, and an underdog like Florida finding a way to get a win. That's why the playoff is going to be exciting because you're just going to expand the pool of talent. It's a great move for the sport, but it should have happened earlier than this last week. One versus four is always going to be a blowout, at least for the next five years. It just feels that way. As long as Nick Saban is there, Dabo Sweeney is there, uh, as long as these programs like Ohio State continue to do what they're doing, that gap is always going to be there. What's not as big of a gap is the gap between five versus 12, Mm -hmm. six versus 11. 7 versus 10, 8 versus 9, those first-round games, then the quarterfinals and the semifinals. This was good for college football in this. It's not about crowning a different champion. That's not what this is about. It's about keeping more of the country and more fan bases engaged for a national playoff throughout most of the season, more of the season. Keep them engaged with a sport that's becoming increasingly regionalized. With regionalization of college football, that's what makes it great. It's also what hurts it because of geography, because of population drift. USC, Oregon can't control, or I should say maybe Michigan can't control that a lot of people are moving down to the south. Teams in the northeast can't control that the more populations are shifting toward the south and they have better crops of players to choose from and recruit from and that they play more football throughout more of the season because the weather's better. Like People want to live in the south, and that's what's happened. You can't control that, and so what you can control, though, is access to a college football playoff, and maybe that increases the way that they are funded. Maybe with a taste of the playoff, programs like, I don't know, Go Out West, like a UCLA, says, Mm -hmm. hey, let's invest a little more in our football program because we can make the college football playoff every single year as long as we win our conference. Of course, they're heading to the Big Ten, so maybe not the greatest of examples. But to make this a coast-to-coast thing, Myron, is, is really important for this sport. It's very important. Again, I think, you know, I heard from a lot of fans in the Big 12, the Pac-12, uh, the ACC who are going, how do we remain relevant? Like, if I'm a fan of a team in those leagues, what is our role in the future? Well, now you have one because the top five, top six conference champions will get in and then the six at-large teams. You mentioned that the first round is going to be exciting. And when you get to the final rounds, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Hmm. That first round of excitement, what does that sound like? Oh, it sounds like the NCAA tournament I cover every year. And it's the most exciting sporting event in all of sports. So I think to me, if you get that kind of excitement in college football, it's going to be amazing. To your point, it's going to get buy-in from people who wouldn't care necessarily outside of this arrangement. You're going to get new fans, casual fans, people in small towns, big towns, who are all going to be invested in this journey from 12 teams down to one. It helps the sport overall. And again, stop patting everybody on the back who's raising their hand and saying this is a great move for college football. They could have taken this opportunity before the SEC grabbed Texas and Oklahoma. They didn't want to do it. And now I think they've kind of forced to do what they did just now. Here's Heather Dinnich, ESPN College Football Senior Writer, was on Darian Mel this weekend on if expansion could happen as early as two years from now. 
I think that there's a recognition that it's going to be really hard, but there are two things at play here. One, when these guys couldn't agree on it initially for 24 and 25, they essentially forfeited $450 million. So let's go ahead and recognize that money (laughs) is an extremely motivating Hmm. factor, right? If they are going to do it, there's a couple things that need to happen. And the elephant in the room, quite frankly, is ESPN holds the rights through the 2025 season. And it's it's clear that the CFP wants multiple broadcast partners. So the TV contract has to be a situation that's addressed. The revenue distribution has to be figured out. We'll figure this out. We need to figure this out. There need to be people in this room that can do that. They have the New Year's Six Bowl games and the national championship stuff. All of that is sorted out. I will say I'm I'm going to get greedy here on Greeny. I don't just want first-round home playoff games. I want quarterfinal home playoff games as well. <laughs> To expect, I'm just going to tell you, to expect fans to go to like three consecutive neutral site games or four out of five weeks if you include conference championship games, it's a lot. I know TV's going to do the TV thing. I get it. And they're going to want to placate and make sure the bowl executives are happy and those relationships are good. But, man, wouldn't it be great to say, hey, the uh, the Cotton Bowl is going to be played in Tuscaloosa this year. Like, just rename it. Keep the name, but have it be played someplace else. I don't know. I just the more games we can get on campus, the better. Myron Metcalf. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with. I mean, I love the opening round uh, uh, campus games. I would say just give some flexibility in the quarterfinal matchups, like so that geography is factored into whatever happens for sure. Pete Thamel did report that a motivating factor for this college football playoff expansion is money. Did report that. Interesting. Okay. And a related story, motivating factor for my eating is hunger. Uh, Disney Plus Day is coming up on September 8th. It's a day of celebration, surprises, and exclusive premieres from Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, National Geographic, and The Simpsons. Plus, don't miss other new favorites. Nothing's bigger, nothing's better. Nothing beats Disney Plus Day. All these and more are streaming September 8th. Coming up in 30 seconds, three NFC teams with the most pressure in the 2022 season. That's after Myron tells you about ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging. Luckily, there's one place where finding qualified candidates is easy. I thought there'd be different music. ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds and matches the right candidates for you. Then you can easily invite your top choices to apply. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. Like, let's go. Were we let's, in the club for those live? I, I don't like, know. We, what was you demanded music? <laughs> yeah, I didn't say I wanted it to be MTV. I was just trying to look for something, you know, to carry me through. You, you I, I am a, a little great, bit of a diva. You're right. I'm working on Labor Day. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You made a great, great joke there that just went by everyone, including yourself. What's that? They said you demanded music, and you said, "Yeah, that's the song that they play." Yeah. <laughs> okay, I did. You know, sometimes I'm so good, Matt, that I don't even know how good I am in moments like that happen. That is, that is. I'm not surprised, but yeah, <laughs> you're not surprised that your own genius. All right, uh, three, two, and one here. Uh, this is we did not talk about this uh, beforehand, about so we will. Maybe see. we should have. All right, here we go. Uh, gosh, I mean, this is just this is such a mess. Some of these pro, some of these organizations yeah. are just 
just <laughs> all right. Thank you. Are just a mess. Uh, I am going to go at number three for my NFC team with the most pressure on them going into this season. I'm going to go to the Giants. I'm going to go to the Giants simply because of Daniel Jones. You will know. You will notice that. These organizations that have the most pressure on them also have quarterbacks that have the most pressure on them in order to perform, like we talked about the Dolphins in the AFC with two. I think the same can be said here for the Giants and Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley, believe he's healthy coming back this season. We'll believe it when we see it for the former Penn State great RB. We'll see. They open up against the, the Titans this weekend. They are a five-and-a-half-point underdog. How long can this organization continue to mire in mediocrity, I think if they were mediocre this year, that would be a step up. That's how bad things have been. The Giants, number three. I like that pick, obviously, with the uncertainty around Daniel Jones. Give me the New Orleans Saints, man, because, listen. A whole lot of people, Nolans. The Nolans, I guess. Uh, a lot of people are picking the Nolans. Saints to be a Super Bowl. <laughs> Y'all, come on, man. <laughs> a lot of people are picking them to be the Super Bowl sleeper pick. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, although the talent is there. Jameis Winston has thrown for 5,000 yards, one of 12 quarterbacks, I think, to do that in a 16-game season. If he can cut back on the turnovers, it's possible. But if it doesn't work out, what's next for the Saints? No guaranteed money in 2023 for Jameis Winston. Do they make a trade? Do they try to move up in the draft? So I think this is a big move. Ideally, you want Jameis Winston to perform and be the long-term option for the Saints. And if that doesn't happen, they're going to have a lot of uncertainty this offseason. I like that. Number two team for me, NFC team with the most pressure on them. How about the Arizona Cardinals? The last time they won a playoff game, was 2015. This this organization has one playoff win since 2010. Okay? Lost in the wild card to the eventual Super Bowl champion Rams last year. They did win 11 games. But with all the offseason stuff, you got the long-term deal with Kyler Murray. Can he stay off of Fortnite? Can he stay off of Halo? Whatever games that he's playing. And can they, can they make a statement here in this division and get a playoff win under Cliff Kingsbury, who's still looking for his first playoff win? This is fourth season. Give me the Cardinals number two. I like that pick. Give me the 49ers at number two. I don't believe any of the stuff about they couldn't move Jimmy Garoppolo. The cap hit was too much for other teams. There wasn't a market for him. I think he's there as an insurance plan for Trey Lance, who didn't play Power 5 football. Uh, We saw him in spots last year. But there's no one, I think, in that franchise who's saying this is a guarantee. And when you don't have a guarantee, uh, everyone's going to have to wait and see if he is definitely the guy. Uh, We'll find out. But I think there's pressure on that franchise. You took my number one, and that's good because we're tied on time. Uh, The San Francisco 49ers unquestionably have the most pressure in the NFC because of that quarterback situation. Myron, who's your number one? Number one is the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy trying to make it through the first month of the season. No guarantees there with the way Jerry Jones is talking. Tyron Smith is a huge injury. Stop telling me they can fill in that spot with a rookie. Tyron Smith is a Hall of Famer. You can't just add someone there and, you know, change what you had with him. So Dallas under pressure. They're not. They added Jason Peters, 40 years old. Bring him in. Let's go. Yeah. Make it happen. He's tyrant. He's not. All right. Also, who's re- Dak throwing to, right? They replaced an injured tyrant with a guy who was retiring. Yeah, I like it. Magic. Not as good as my yeah joke. But it no, it's not. I've been in catch-up mode ever since. Coming up, Barton Hot on ESPN Radio. We aren't going anywhere there. We discuss whose stock is rising and falling in college. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.